Welcome to the podcast will not be televised. Get on everybody, how you doing? I uh, hope you're all well. Uh, this is episode three and today we're talking to our very, very good friend, Mr. Seb Skelly. Not only does he hold the horn section down on our own band, but you can also catch him on the stage with Tankers the Henge, Dat Brass, and his new project he's got going on with his sister, Skelly. Uh, he's genuinely one of the most hardworking, talented individuals I know, um, and he's a published arranger and YouTube's favourite one-man brass quintet. Hopefully in this episode you can learn a bit about him, how he does what he does, and just keep going, because uh, he just does, he just keeps going and going and going, uh, he just doesn't stop. Um, enjoy this one, he's a bloody legend. Cheers. Just a thing. We'll get it together. Oh, my, my computer telling me my startup disk is almost full. <laughs> what a tease. Uh, <laughs> what a tease. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not a that's good thing. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I, really lo- I really love that, that's a great little sound bite right there. Um, I've got so many sound bites that I've put to one side by the way. Mostly of Will it. making background noises that you will probably hate to listen to. <laughs> really? What, like breathing deeply? And... Breathing deeply. There's a few like, oh, yeah. Like, was it? <laughs> Seb said something and you were like, oh, yeah. Look at the size of their trousers. That was a one <laughs> yeah. of them. <laughs> we're talking about scar music. Anyway, Seb Skelly, how the hell are you, man? I'm good. Yeah, not too bad. Happy how days. Yeah, all right down here, mate. Good. You're coping, I take it. Just about, yeah. Just kind of. I've been in this room for nearly a year now, straight. So, um, wow. uh, yeah. Tiny fair, it's not that big a room. <laughs> it is tiny. It is. It looks bigger on the camera than it is. Like, yeah, but I've, I've got that same issue. Uh, wait, sorry. Yeah, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, you've been in that room for a whole year. That's pretty mad. Mm. Working on working on lots of different projects. I take it. Yeah, That's lots and lots of little bits here and there. Um, all sorts, all sorts, really. Skelly, you're being extremely modest again. You have been doing. <laughs> you're probably the busiest, most productive person in secret that I know. You just in all secret, of a sudden yeah, have like sure. a million <laughs> things ready to publish and ready to go that are equally as amazing as at the last. I'm not sure it's that secret. I've been you're watching a lot of uh, a lot of Seb Kelly made material throughout this entire period, like. A lot of a lot of um, horn ensembles that have been super enjoyable, particularly <laughs> like the Valentine's Day the one the other day, the Skelly release. That's awesome. Mm. Yeah, it's been Big you've tunes. been prolific to say the least. <laughs> yeah, mate. And that's yeah. I'm not even including the work that I've been seeing you do with these two guys on the Bear Jam stuff. It's been super yeah, super interesting. So mm. I've got just like straight off the bat little question: all of the horn stuff that you're doing, are you recording all of that from that room? Yeah, yeah. It's is all, this literally the, the heart, the control center at the heart of the Skelly? This, this is it. I sit and sit at this desk uh, for hours uh, on end, working around my computer. Mad screen time statistics, but um, yeah, I just forgot my my instrument collection. Well, actually, recently added some plastic instruments to my collection uh, thanks oh, yeah. to a uh, the company reached out to me and offered it, it to send does, me some. It, some of it does look like stuff you'd find in a shed there. Is that a hose pipe mostly? Uh, there is. You can make a the, jump hose, out of a hose the hose pipe's up there. Um, there's a hat What grade, in what the, grade are you corner. on the truck? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> For sound deadening purposes. Yeah. It's all a bit of ragtag. 
So you, for people that don't know, you are you are if, well. You correct me if I'm wrong. You're a multi instrumentalist, producer, arranger, composer, um, all round legend. Um, mm -hmm. And you've recently just been published by is it How How Leonard? How Leonard? Yeah. So I'm I'm mostly mostly trumpet player. I think is kind of the main. Uh, yeah. main instrument but yeah i do dabble in other things um and do a lot of arranging as well especially for brass based things and yeah recently was lucky enough to uh get a small publishing deal for a couple of charts with hal leonard who is like the biggest music publisher sheet music publisher in the yeah. world and they're i, was I mean it's their, a big deal. European it's a very big deal division yeah it's, so how it's does how does that work then a long mate? time did, coming <laughs> how does that work with hal leonard do they do they they send you songs you have to score out or is it how does it how does it go about yeah they kind of uh originally because cool, i've been uploading these um these self-publishing these arrangements for about five, nearly five years now um on, on the, their is this, these are the arrangements website. that you're putting out on youtube yes yeah yeah so I've, oh uh, yeah right and but also the parts you're playing on youtube and then self-publishing mm. them on the side yeah the, right. the youtube channel is kind of like an advertisement for my sheet music essentially um right but yeah i've been doing that for a while and eventually the i i think i won a competition uh, that i didn't realize i'd signed up for um somehow i just got an email <laughs> saying hi you've won a 100 dollars prize for this competition i was like oh no. that's sweet <laughs> cool and then the, damn the scammers lady... <laughs> <laughs> yeah the lady she's called the Elizabeth prince of nigeria she... turns out you have won <laughs> just just send the bank details over and your credit card number and your pin and we'll be good <laughs> all the one p's and the two p's <laughs> so you won a publishing deal and a yacht <laughs> uh, yeah essentially yeah yeah it's incredible awesome. not sure where all my money went though uh, <laughs> still figuring that one out <laughs> so uh yeah so you've um you how long have you, so you were talking about your youtube channel um and mm. we all we obviously know you very well we've worked with you with bear jams um for the last i've five, been working six. with bear jams for longer than i've been doing the youtube thing so you've known yeah. me pretty much we, no we're for people that don't know us as well, we're, we're very good friends and it's a privilege to work and know you, mate. Um, but well, your YouTube channel is something you've done for how many years now? Um, I've been... Well, I've had the YouTube channel for many, many years, posting little bits here and there. Um, yeah. I think yeah, about 10 years I've had it. Um, but I started oh, posting right. regularly when I sort of was coming to the end of university and I had a load of arrangements that I'd written for me and my mates at uni for Brass Ensembles. And kind of one of them recorded, but... I was leaving uni and was losing all the access to all the musicians and um, recording studio stuff. Uh, so I just kind of invented a way of recording them myself by using some pitch shifting stuff because I don't really play the trombone or the tuba. Uh, right. Just figured out a way to record it all and then enjoyed recording it. So I wrote a few more and then recorded those and put them on YouTube and people started watching them. Um, and then people started buying them as well. Yeah, because cool. you've got over like, fifty-one thousand followers, uh, subscribers rather, which is bloody yeah. awesome, mate. Like, and it's <clears throat> yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. And I swear, like, this only in, you've really been going for it for the last four or five years with the videos. Or so, so mm. that's happened quite yeah. rather fast, which is which is awesome. Um, how many mm. videos do you reckon you've actually put up? <laughs> it's well over a hundred. Well yeah. There's there's nearly there's probably nearly two hundred brass arrangements now. It's getting close because I've yeah. been doing one for one a week for five years i'm looking now it's uh you've done <laughs> 300 videos in the whole <laughs> life of the channel <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah because that's and that's just you so you're like a quintet so you play all you play all the brass um, yeah. instruments really to, to arrange these songs 
Um, yeah, I sometimes get other people involved, but it's, yeah. it is mostly me. Because you've got um, the um, you've got the stretchy legs big band, is that right as well? Which I've mm, I've done one of yeah, Dave, Dave basically, yeah. Y- yeah, you, you and Dave have got involved with that yeah. a few times. Done a couple. It, um, uh, <laughs> Skelly has absolutely shredded me 24 hours before. <laughs> okay, so it's sort of my fault. We we did a <laughs> we did yes. a what was it the, the was Chris, Christmas arrangement last year? No, 2019 for Don't the Don't let darkness. the bells end. That was it. Yeah, and because I you know I was pretty confident the last couple of times I was like yeah the sheet will be fine I'll just turn up and look at it you know an hour before and it'll be okay. And I'm not the best <laughs> sight reader. I can I can sight read. I'm not the best. And I remember being sat on Skelly's, um, the sofa at your house, half an hour before we were leaving to go do the session, thinking, "Oh my god, I'm so <laughs> in the deep end here." <laughs> just basically and just gave you the and you, were, you, arrived, and you were extremely patient um, for much longer than it needed to take. Mm. I I have it's something that I have uh, a tendency to do is write music that's way too hard because um, I just think oh that'll sound cool and then actually well the problem it was, sounds cool you, if you can play it but it's yeah. you wrote a cooler walking bass line than I probably would have just improvised on the spot so I thought yeah this is great like I'll I'll just quickly learn this and you know two hours later Skelly sat in the corner mm-hmm. going come on we need to we need to get this done. <laughs> It was a tough chart. Everyone struggled with that chart, to be fair. I mean, it came out really well. But not me. You got yeah. the whole you got thing. some incredible musicians working for you as well, though, in those band, those projects. Uh, there's an mm. array of absolutely outstanding players, um, which is understandable why they want to work with you, mate. Um, but yeah, there's some pretty cool stuff. If you if you haven't seen them already, people check it out. Uh, Stretch Legs, Big Bang, Seb Skelly's page. It's got loads of cool covers on there. Mm. Um, We've actually got. We're start going to start releasing stuff on Spotify as well. With uh, oh, cool. In the works, putting stuff on Spotify. Uh, starting with our Everybody Wants to Be a Cat, that'll be the first one going up on the 24th of Feb. That's the one Ollie is singing on. Let me elucidate you. feel elucidated. No, it's good fun. Jazz, delicious. Brilliant, brilliant. That'd be fun. So, like, I'd, uh, to, like, obviously, we're talking about what you've been doing professionally over the recent while. Obviously, this is part of a much longer journey. Did you start playing at school? Was that the the beginning of your journey like where where did the yeah the the, the, the was it just the classical i i did my music lessons at school and i and all that pretty much yeah i think my my parents definitely started me music in really young like i i don't remember much of it but i i did the sort of the do re mi fa solati do stuff in like a little beginners really young class singing songs about sheep and little Susie snail on a scooter and like really simple <laughs> melodies just getting you know ear training basically for small kids and then learn the recorder that was my first instrument um big actually, up to the recorder gang mate yeah, <laughs> but yeah big house to the recorder gang um if you're a musician on trumpet if you're a musician <laughs> and you didn't start with a recorder i think there's something wrong yeah yeah for sure i think if you're a musician and you didn't start with the recorder you're going to be behind on everyone else with <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that's that's the reality <laughs> it's <of> really it. <laughs> crucial years playing a recorder yeah, yeah. and the thing what do you know what though i've often had this co- i've had this conversation with a few musicians where like the people who i know who are incredibly technical from a theory perspective like you know off the cuff able to just you know jump modes and and all the stuff that you kind of get from really insane like you know theory based players is they always started young 
and they always started with really simple instruments from a mm. theory point of view, like recorder, where you've got these notes, that's how you play them, there's the yeah. theory of it, that's yeah. how you follow the chart, and you work your way up from there. So mm. it doesn't surprise me that you're going, oh, yeah, now I started on recorder. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do have a, like a distinct memory of... There was a little little music room at my primary school, tiny little music room, probably about smaller than this room that I'm in right now and I used to have joint lessons with another girl in in my year with the recorder teacher and I remember the one lesson we'd been going through the, this exercise book at the same pace all the way and then we got to one tune and I couldn't I couldn't do it she was better than me and she she progressed onto the next tune and then we stopped having lessons together oh, and then no. I went on separate lessons and then and Steady then way, really very shortly down, after, <laughs> I shortly after moved to trumpet because I realised actually a uh, recorder wasn't for me. And yeah. she went on to play the clarinet. So oh, fair enough. And now she's in prison. For she's actually in Spain, crimes. so who knows? <laughs> it's crazy. Recorders, so there you go. it's a slippery slope. <laughs> Juvenile is a crazy place. Yeah. Did you guys? That's what um, happens if you're too good at recording? You just end up doing crimes and stuff. You mm, know, so yeah. you've got to temper that. For uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a ga- it's a gateway instrument, mate. You got to be careful. Yeah, it's a gateway really instrument. Yeah. Do you, uh, did, did you guys have the um, for kids that went to school in the nineties? Did you have the the group of guys with the djembes come around to your primary school? and do like djembe percussion after school yeah. classes yeah they were basically like Don Brenches weren't they they just rocked up and <laughs> <laughs> he's our old percussionist that's exactly what he used to do it's actually a cool little job it's good like getting people was, into rhythm at that age it's really important like. mm. oh yeah I did that with maths workshops uh, when I first went freelance again in 2015 where I would go around to schools and teach workshops in costumes about mathematics because I didn't know how I was going to earn money in those early days. So it was a similar yeah. thing of, of that kind of thing. I wish I'd thought to have done it with musical instruments, although I did bump into um, the guy who's now Chesney Hawks' lead guitarist doing music workshops in the same place. He used no to way. work at ATM, actually, Martin no. Kennedy, yeah. Brilliant. Right. Randomly, yeah. Mm. There you go. Small world. It is. Do you remember, world. Does anyone remember Boomwhackers? Yeah, no. that brings a bell. The the big like long plastic tubes, colourful plastic yeah, tubes, I and you each have a different note. They're fun. See that's oh, there's some gonna... sick videos of Boomwhacker ensembles on YouTube as well. Check oh yeah, out. yeah, playing like mad stuff, like proper proper Boomwhacker ensembles going mental. It's great. Awesome. Look out for that. <laughs> Am I imagining it, or is there yes, such a thing as giant recorders? <laughs> um, yeah, there's all sizes, all the sizes. I think you can get a huge. Huge ones. Have you ever been on like a giant one? What's the di- is it just like lower or something? Probably yeah. I've I've seen them. Uh, they get used a lot in like old classical music, old baroque music, when it was more common. Mm. But yeah, you can get big, big ones that are like taller than a man. Is it just that they're really louder low. or deeper or that's that's the thing I don't know. Mm. Maybe I should Google it rather than just bringing it up in the middle of a yeah. podcast. Yeah, <laughs> Seb, tell me things about instruments you don't <laughs> play anymore. <laughs> I demand, I demand an encyclopedic uh, memory. He's a fault of the hosepipe now. He's <laughs> he's straight hosepipe territory these days. He doesn't even yeah. need any of that. Do you know what I mean? Well, I just want to know, like, if you get a big enough, like, recorder, will it strip the paint off a fence? Or, yeah, what's the deal? Probably. It will make probably. women in two mile radius pregnant. Do you know what I mean? What's the deal? Is it like. Yeah, I think you can. You can. <laughs> That's so funny. Ollie just laughed and dropped his phone. That was so good. All right, that's me done now. I'll see you guys later. Sorry. Dave, spell out. Amazing. 
Hmm. But yeah, so, so so yeah. Sorry, recorder. Where did you go from recorders? Big recorders. Sorry, I, I don't know. Uh, trumpets. Big recorders. Trumpets. Did trumpets you just go up next. all the recorder sizes and then where? Well, I think Pete, when you start on the little plastic ones, they're like the the smallest recorder. And like, because there was a guy I went to school with who was like a really good recorder player who's like actually properly played recorder, and he had a few recorders, a few like different you. sizes. I don't believe you. It's an instrument <laughs> <Okay>. that you. <laughs> I don't it's blame you. It's a mythical <laughs> primary school instrument that no one can possibly play past the age of about 11. He was surely. flogging them. He, was flog- he had a big coat, a lo- load of them. In his- <laughs> <laughs> do you want to buy a recorder? What size do you want? I got them all. Soprano, baritone, you got it, I got it. So so trumpet was the first instrument you really fell in love with, was it? And then you you mm. kind of moved on. Because am I right in saying it's the right... Because you play the uh, the trombone in that as well, to a degree. Is that because it's similar sort of embouchure? Is, is that the right word? Yeah, I think brass instruments, once you've got the hang of one, they're all related. They're all very similar. All the like fingerings on the buttons are the same, right. apart from the French horn. But no one likes French horn anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> and then uh, trombones is kind of... Except for Mozart. It's a bit different Mozart with the slide. liked the French horn. <laughs> he did like the French horn. He had a good he did. mate, didn't he? He's yeah. Uh, the only famous French horn player, as I can as far as I can tell, was Mozart's yeah. mate. <laughs> was he a famous is. French horn player or was he just Mozart's mate who happened to play the French horn? Actually from Swindon as well. It's a really yeah. strange word. The two are probably true? related. No. Is that no. true? That's <laughs> That would be a mate with all the roundabouts, obviously. Yeah. What else are you going to yeah. do with all the roundabouts? Are you going to play French horn? In no. fact, it's not all the roundabouts at Swindon. Sorry, people of Swindon. It's the one magic roundabout that's of it. Which has all the roundabouts in one all roundabout. All the roundabouts in Milton Keynes in one round yeah <laughs> so would you say you're classically trained Seb yeah definitely yeah. I, I've i tried jazz I kind of understand it but I'm definitely not a jazz musician uh, for sure oh fuck off Skelly um, I can pretend pretty well but um, that's what jazz is isn't it I think, I think just for the non-musicians listening you need to qualify that statement Dave <laughs> just fuck off <laughs> well you know I think you're being too modest here mate even what you wouldn't call good jazz is, is from, in my standards, is, is is good jazz. So I can definitely like write jazz. I'm I'm okay when it's like pen and paper and I can write it down. But in terms of like playing, definitely definitely wouldn't feel comfortable like selling myself as a jazz trumpet player. Yeah, fair you know enough. What I mean, that's fair enough. Um, but I would say that I try though. I try my hardest. I'd say that you're <laughs> on a more serious note. You're for bear jams anyway when when it comes to writing um horn lines or or sullies or whatever it is there's definitely uh an element of jazz uh vocabulary that goes into a lot of the um the lines especially some of the newer stuff that we haven't yet released Mm. but is is coming soon there's there's definitely that kind of jazz um vocabulary there as well as like Mm. a bit of classical as well so i think i think you need to give yourself a bit more credit because it you know it is uh very jazz very jazz yeah it's, it's, it's not good, jazz good to like just absorb absorb all the all the genres you're interested in and try and like take little bits yeah. from here and there and well, just make a hybrid that's sort of, of everything the, the difference between a lot of musicians having a vocabulary a vocabulary of a lot of different genres that sort of make you sound like you mm. you know mm. I think um, yeah. the more diverse that is the, yeah. the more interesting exactly. it could be yeah can so, I yeah. share a musical sound engineering observation that I've Go noticed? Uh, so one of the things I've noticed is there's a big difference between the musicality of people that tend to play 
instruments that play a single note over instruments that tend to be comping and this is a gross generalization <laughs> but i mean kind of in the in popular beat combo culture in yeah. kind of like you know rock bands you tend to have you, you do tend to find that the people in the band you tend to have the more theory and be more uh versed musically tend to be the people who have less voices in their instrument because the in- voice of their instrument tends to rely more on how it interacts with other instruments mm-hmm. and i find that more so with more classical instrumentation so you will always find that like and it's i guess it's because of the orchestra background and how you tend to come at these instruments you will always find that horns players strings players you know even to a degree like people who sing choral or bvs in a very Mm. sort of professional manner will always have a higher level of of sort of musicality partly because of the background they come from but also i think because of the way in which their instrument relates to the rest of the band and that's that thought Mm. over no it's an an interesting observation (laughs) it's definitely yeah because I, I did spend a lot of time, I've spent a lot of time playing in orchestras, especially at school and university and stuff. Like the, being a part of an ensemble with 80 people in it and you're just playing one part and you are you just have to play your one note, but you have to play it at the right time and it fits in with everything else. It kind of, it's, so, a, very, it's, a, really it's a different thing. experience. Yeah, it's very like, you're, you're, what you're playing is very specific and has a very specific role, which is how I kind of like to write the horn parts as well. I try and avoid... And that does show, actually. Writing, because having... you can write horn parts in a lot of different ways. You can have them as a sort of a rhythm section thing, like James Brown-style horns, which is which is amazing as well. It's like a texture, like, isn't it, kind of, rather than like a yeah. leading... Yeah, whereas I kind of like to think of, of the horns as like a sort of second voice alongside the vocals as like a it fits in between and can add little counter melodies and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then harmony where needed as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah, man, you do that brilliantly. Because you, you, you when you're arranging your more classical stuff, um, yeah. or you, it's obviously completely different to the Bear Jam stuff, it's different to the Tankers. Do you play for Tankers the Henge as well? And Dat yeah. Brass. I don't do like, too much writing for Tankers, but I do, I do play with them. And, yeah, yeah. Um, awesome band, if you want to check them out. Brilliant. Like yeah, that. they're great. Great um, but yeah, it's a, and that brass is quite quite different sounding uh, projects. Um, yeah. Do you do you find the writing the writing does change for those bands? For all yeah, bands? it's definitely thinking about it in a different way. Yeah, that brass is a good example. So for those of you who don't know, that brass is this like sort of hip hop, jazz, punk kind of vibe with just all horn players and drummer and a DJ and a, a vocalist, a rapper, MC. Um, so it's all very like. It's all horns. There's no like synths or rhythm instruments. Like all the harmony and all the all the n- notes, all the melodic stuff comes from horns, and so that's quite a different experience. That's more similar to my sort of YouTube arranging than mm. it is to the bear jam stuff. A very fond memory of watching um, <clears throat> of watching you play with Dat Brass at Glastonbury 2019, and I can't remember mm. where it was or what night it was because you played quite a lot, I think. But you you guys. It was like tr- trying to squeeze into the little indoor um, stage venue bit in Glastonbury. I think it was Shangri-La. Yeah, probably. There was a few sweaty, oh small, my. It was so It was so sweaty <laughs> and the vibe was so good. And you guys, it was, it's a fun memory of you guys absolutely destroying that night. Killing it, mate. That was a big, big sound, man. We need to get someone, a representative... I can't speak. Someone from Dabras on here to um, to have a chat with soon. That'd be really good. And likewise, yeah, for yeah, we should. Good idea. Yeah, yeah. Man. Good shout. 
I was talking to Jake actually yeah. the other day. He'd, he'd be up for coming on as well. He's, yeah, he's the other guy who plays sax for Bear Jams. Basically, we're very lucky because Seb always gets the most incredible players in our band to help to play I with try. him. I try. So we, so we're quite lucky. We we got quite a decent horn section, don't we, Dave? Mm. <laughs> we're doing all right. Yeah, we do, we do all right. Well, it's because I write. It's because I have the tendency to write such hard horn parts. I got to find players who can actually play the horn Absolutely parts. Because yeah, the, the list of, of the list of musicians <laughs> that we have had permanently or semi permanently fill in or whatever is. Um, it's quite long with with, quite with having yeah with having so many gigs in a row or with other musicians that um, that have a quite busy schedule as well. You do tend to meet a lot of people playing horns for you in your bands that you've never met mm. before because mm. they're filling in for horn different players gigs. do get around a bit. It's horn, cool. I love it. Are, are going back to the writing, I mean, <laughs> going back to the writing though, like for me, it's mm. with, with bear jams. You, when you're writing a, a song, cause before Seb was because before Seb was even part of the band, like and when I'm writing for stuff that isn't bear jams. Um, which isn't very much to be fair um, I'm doing more of it now I write with a completely different mindset now with, with Bear Jam stuff because I always think okay so I've got this little section here and then, then a horn line's going to come and you just know it's going to yeah. be golden and you know you're going to call and response with what I'm singing with what I'm playing and it's yeah. the best bit about it, it is, just works really well it's just like we play, we play is, off each is, other's is, melodies it's great the best bit is always listening to you like really enthusiastically like shout down the phone or something just your your interpretation of how you want the the horn line to sound and then Skelly will go oh yeah sweet yeah. okay I can do that I do, I do love getting the the scattered horn line. That you'll go, you'll be singing along, so and, you go, and it goes like, like <laughs> and I'll go like, oh sweet. <laughs> I, I, ten minutes, ten minutes later, after Skelly's got his head down, a bit of sheep sheep music. He's uh, yeah, he's produced the gold. Pure, I mean, those, pure, you say man, that though. It. To be clear, one of the big things that did attract me to wanting to do sound for you guys was those horn arrangements. Like, you know, I already thought the songs were solid and I knew you guys somewhat from before and actually that sort of leads me neatly onto my next question because I kind of want to fill in the gap of where you guys met how you guys Mm. met and the journey of Seb joining the band and and what that is because I I obviously uh Seb knew knew the guys from ACM Mm -hmm. uh they went off on their journey I went off on my journey and then we met that year at Glastonbury which Mm. I believe is the first time I met you good self which would have been yeah yeah, 20, uh, 2019. 2018. 2018, yeah. So 2018, yeah. Swiped on Tinder, yeah. didn't we? So, no, 2019. You're right, 2019, yeah. I think it was... What year it is, anyway? It was... Um, we um, put, uh, 2024, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think we put a little sorry, ad up. Sorry, at this rate. <laughs> Carry on, Carry on. No, I just think we put a little ad up for looking for a horn player. Well, yeah, we... we um, sorry, uni. We lost the... Uh, we quite quickly lost the um and suddenly lost our, our trumpet player at the time who i won't mention um, did you already have a trumpet player when did that happen yeah so we, I, I missed that whole so thing even. I'm, I'm the second marriage yeah so we there was <laughs> bear, bear jones was was the, was the trio and then the trio developed into a six, six piece which had our our previous trumpet player and then uh-huh. um yeah, very quickly, all of a sudden, we didn't really kind of expect it. We we lost him from the band, and then, yeah, you, we put an ad up. Um, yeah, because I was I was at the University of Surrey, which is also is that where Guildford. you did your degree? At, yeah, at Surrey. Uh, I was doing music tech. Um, what was saw, it? Just a music tech degree, or was it the Tone Meister? It wasn't the Tone Meister. It was the the CMT Creative Music right. Technology. It's kind of the one that gets forgotten about in between the music and the Tone Meister. 
Um, oh, I don't know though. So they're all good courses up there. Yeah, they're yeah, they, they're good. It was really yeah, impressive. It was, it was a good time. How how quickly that you responded to the ad that we put out? Because I think Sam or Ollie put the ad out, and we had a gig. I don't know, like a week later or something, or that weekend, and you man, mm-hmm. we basically recruited you before the you know during that week and then you i think you missed the first couple of gigs and then you know a week and a half later you were on board and and here we are yeah i think it was it was like during the summer holiday so i was actually back at at home in london um and i was just there i was there it was like a facebook page between surrey and and acm wasn't it it was like Mm. yeah i just um, happened to happen to see this ad and i just thought wow sweet a, a band sounds good I play trumpet. Hi, and uh, thank God you guys message back. And apparently, I was the only one that messaged back. So no, no, we had loads, mate. We had loads coming down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not what Sam said. That's not what Sam told me. Yeah, you actually the thirtieth that we uh, that we interviewed. uh, Just about got it. Yeah, it's just the others were prima donnas. That's it. That's it. (laughs) The others just recorded players. I was quite a little little shy end of first year uni student. I was still pretty like. I've developed a lot as a person uh, through being in Bear Jams, definitely, like confidence-wise and stuff. It was quite, a, <laughs> we, it was quite uh, an we, experience. We have seen the evolution of Skelly, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. What, what you've evolved, but you've evolved me as a person, as a player, mate, just from being around you, man. I, I think yeah, every, everything you touch, when it's hap- that happens when you spend a lot of time with people, and being in a band, yeah, that, sure. that's just inevitable. Spending down. spending seventeen hours at a time in a van driving through Europe, mm. it's got to do that. It's got to do something, mate. <laughs> if it's not just <laughs> a one of the things that. It, yeah, no, right. One of the things that is lovely about you as a band, though, is just that energy that you will have. Where, you know, you some of you have come from to to your music from exactly the same place, but some of you have come at it from a very different place. But it's mm. great how you're all on your journey together and you all support each other and learn together. Yeah, mm. that's really cool. It's important. Yeah, no, thanks, man. It's important we do that. <laughs> so, Seb, let's uh, move on a little bit and talk about gear. So, you've what what gear do you mess oh, yeah. around with? What's your what's your setup for recording and your setup on stage and stuff like that? Because for, for you, you've got a bit of an array of pedals you can work with as well. So I do I do have a lot of gear. Uh, evidence evidenced by the like five trumpets on my walls. That's not all of them. I've got another another two on the floor and then another one in a case somewhere. So plenty of brass instruments. Um, I have. What do I use? I, I'm recording this podcast on a four one four C AKG C one four four one four, which I've had for a nearly a year now i think um i sort of invested in a nice expensive all-rounder mic just to improve the quality of my home recordings especially uh it was actually before covid but it kind of has served me well during these lockdown times the recording a lot for for clients as well um on stage yeah i've got my my trumpet and my flugelhorn and my main instruments that big fat one there um which i absolutely love the sound of that it's great it's a beautiful instrument and yeah so i've started experimenting with guitar pedals for my horns along when when i sort of so that brass the sousaphone player the bass player for that brass he he started building up a pedal board because he hated the way the sousaphone sounded acoustically and he wanted to basically turn it into a synth bass and so his pedal board got bigger and bigger and bigger and eventually at one point he had like a pedal board and a half but he's recently scaled it back to minimal pedals but that kind of sparked a lot of like horn effects pedals with within the Dapras horn players um so yeah i just started, started getting a few little bits so i have a a wah pedal a distortion pedal a little delay pedal um and another weird kind of modulation delay thing the terra echo boss terra echo which is quite fun um 
and yeah they're quite fun to play around with on stage you can especially with bear jams doing like dubby dubby effects and then jake as well he plays with that brass he's kind of come on the same journey as me we have both have similar effects set up so we can sync our delays on stage which is always good um yeah, it's been I was actually uh, really disappointed when you guys came and did the gig at the end of the world gig and you didn't have your effects uh, pedals. It definitely <laughs> made it easier to get a pro mix at the end. Yeah. But just the the vibrancy and texture that that brings to the horn section is mm. it's really exciting. It is it is fun. It can it can go a bit wrong with horns because obviously um feedback is an issue with pedals especially distortion stuff because mm. it's picking up from a mic rather than a pickup so it does pick up everything. Um, and distort everything but um yeah i've got a couple of like a compressor and a gate which kind of sorts it out mm. um but yeah that's that's quite fun yeah it's fun. what other gear i don't know what other gear i really have what do you, re- what do you record your um your videos on for youtube and stuff do you record logic or pro tools or i use logic i've been using logic for uh a very long time i think i've i was thinking about this the other day actually um i started in garage band back in like 2005 or something making little loop looped beats with my mate um went around to, he used to have one of the big the big like plastic imax the big white ones um and so he used to go off into his parents office and just make little little rock band loops in garage band and then uh then did music tech a level at school when they used logic pro so i right persuaded my parents to invest in that for me <laughs> I've got a question for you. Who do you currently use? What? Sorry, not who, but what program do you currently use for your notations? Ah, that's a good question, Dave, because you know the answer to this. But, I do, but um, you know, I feel like you might want to to mention it. And yeah. I, having seen you use the the program, I'm a Sibelius, an avid Sibelius user. Mm. But having seen obviously what you're about to mention, yeah. there is uh, it does look pretty good. <laughs> I've so I I love sheet music. Being the classical musician I am, I just like writing charts. Every, anything I want, I just write a chart down. It's good. Um, and I've been using I used Sibelius for years and years and years. I remember getting my first uh, cracked copy of Sibelius three from my trumpet teacher uh, back in the day, and it's yeah just history ever since. But then I got I got contacted by um, a new notation software from Steinberg who also makes Cubase oh, yeah. yeah I know it well um, and uh, yeah Nuendo and all of that yeah. stuff yeah um, and they've they it's the team behind Sibelius that got moved on when Avid bought out Sibelius and had to reduce staff numbers um, so the the team was left without being able to work on Sibelius anymore and uh, Steinberg got in contact with them and said hey do you want to create a new notation system uh, from scratch build it from the ground up make something better so they've made this program called Dorico uh, and they reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to try it out um, and they gave me a little uh, instruction lesson teaching me the ropes of it and I've been using that ever since and it's it's quality happy taste um, are they paying you to say great. this <laughs> no they they actually didn't they gave me a free copy which i guess there's is a, kind of a, along those lines a member of staff from dorico in the room now prodding him going yeah on that up. podcast <laughs> on, on that podcast that plug, you're about to plug. be on which which isn't even released yet you yeah. must plug <laughs> <laughs> tell you what tell you what they did give me which is really cool and really handy is a double-ended usb stick ah with oh, a usb a and usb c so i can plug that it into is. my laptop and my phone it's brilliant what? and that's and that's Dorico the kind merch. of progressive thinking you've come to expect from exactly. a modern purveyor of software for writing sheet music. Exactly. Say. See if you start. Do you a have a favourite? 
sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go on. Do I have a favourite what? Do you have a favourite sheet music writing pen? Or is it just... Yeah. Because <laughs> this is the thing. I imagine if you're into, like, the actual act of writing sheet music, like, there's a, you've got a pen that you have a preference for okay. and, a, and a specific... Because I would, if I... Because when I write letters and stuff and I'm like, oh, I'm going to sit down and actually write this, I'm quite into, like, writing cards as well. I'm so, like, it has to be a medium <laughs> sharpie. Go on. That is that is the manuscript paper of choice. Right. Faber Faber music. I don't know if you're uh, obviously is the video going manuscript. On the no, manuscript. You're going to have to describe. I'm going to have to describe it. So it's it's the finest quality paper, ideal for pencil, ink, ballpoint, and water-based fibre tip pens, is what it says. Um, they come in big 200-page packs. Real nice uh, paper for manuscript writing. And the uh, pens are these ones you might have seen. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Uniball uh, Uniball. Uh, Uniball uh, uh, they chew the ends of them all the time. So yeah, about the if you managed to steal one from school, then you uh, you were winning. I yeah. to, like yeah. the little ink flow ones. Yeah, yeah, they're you, really you can really smudge nice. It. If you touch it immediately after, you'll, yeah. you'll yeah. smudge it. They're proper like ink by ink ballpoint pens, and oh, they're really nice. And they're great, and they go great with that paper. So oh, I see match made in heaven, like. <laughs> so what order do you do, you do it that. in? What order do you do, do you arrange stuff in? Do you start with like the the base first, or do you, is, is there a, a set order, or does it just go melody first, uh. or? It kind of depends. It's usually I'm, yeah. I usually write whatever I'm doing, start at the start, finish at the end, which isn't is sometimes not the best way to do things, but it's it's the way I do most things. And then yeah, kind of usually start with either the melody or the bass is usually a good good place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, get that foundation, and then you fill in fill in the gaps in between. Um, yeah. So, whatever works for you, though, I suppose. I, I yeah, guess. kind of. Yeah. Depends on the tune as well. Yeah. Do you do you have any advice for um, aspiring composers or people that want to kind of take their their sheet writing or or arranging to the next level? Um, listen to lots of music. Um, listen to lots of music and transcribe a lot of music, I guess. Um, and I think from in terms of arranging, um, if you want to arrange for stuff that isn't your instrument, talk to the musicians who play the instrument you want to write for and also like listen to all the the stuff that is written for them that is you know accepted as as good stuff when when i was studying the um one of the actually why i didn't expect to be uh to be an issue when i was writing was the um i didn't realize the range for a lot of especially brass instruments you don't realize the the range that you can yes, you can write down on a bit of sheet music, but for a, a trumpet player to actually come along and play that high or that low, yeah, if that's even physically, but yeah, physically possible was was a whole different thing as well. Yeah, it's kind of it's one of the reasons I still write. I don't do the, the arranging. I do do straight in Dorico just because it's faster and easier. But if I'm writing original music in sheet music, I will write it out first without putting it into the computer because the computer uh, can put you in a false sense of security because the computer can play anything but if you're you need you, when you're writing for instruments you kind of have to when you're writing specific stuff for instruments you want to really think about how it's going to be played and how mm. it's going to be to play because they're real people they're real people on the end with limitations yeah. um so it's quite yeah thinking about ranges and also not just ranges but also some things are difficult on instruments uh more difficult than others so like playing really low on a flute yes it's possible but playing really fast and low on a flute 
isn't going to work too well just because the fingerings are really awkward down at the bottom of the instrument and there's yeah little little things like that that you pick up by writing really hard music and then the musicians go oh jesus this this is really tough i'm really struggling here and then you go why why are you yeah what? or tell or, me or the way how that can you've I make written the rhythm because you know you could write mm. you could write one rhythm <clears throat> in three different ways but the way that someone yeah. actually then comes to read it as a as a performer is a very different story mm. That's the reason Dorico is really good because it does all that automatically for you and kind of you don't have to worry too much about it. It just kind of makes it look legible straight out the box. Um, yeah, it's a uh, yeah. It's it's been a <laughs> I've been doing it for a long time. This old sheet music from when I was pretty little in my big child's music handwriting. My music oh, handwriting is oh. better than my like word handwriting. I reckon. Is, I reckon do you it's reckon more legible? Yeah, more practice. So yeah, yeah. Did you get a lot of so no, I, sorry, Will carry on. on. No, no, you carry on, mate. No, you go go on, Ali. Oh, I was just gonna say, um, bring up you know, your parents must have been very supportive of um of, of your music and that from a young age then. Um because mm. both you and your sister are quite very musically talented. Um did would you I'm just leads you on to my question about influences um and people that have inspired you growing up. Um mm. would you like to name a few? Um Well yeah, yeah. My so my parents are definitely very supportive. They sort of you know the the I guess the the true test of supportive parents is when I'm I was getting really like hating doing it and not wanting to practice or not do, wanting to play anything. They they were the ones that you know saying no, <laughs> practice. You're good at this. You you can be good at this. Just you know, you're finding it hard right now. Just push through it. Um, we'll unlock the shackles once you do another hour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you will get dinner tomorrow. Maybe you'll get dinner. Yeah. <laughs> No joke, I actually had a friend at school whose mum wouldn't give her dinner until she practised her violin. Wow. Um, yeah. So, uh, do you know what? I was <laughs> chatting Mr. to and my Mrs. friend. Mr. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh I was chatting to my friend, uh, my friend Matt Bates the other day. He's a very accomplished pianist. And he used to, and he learnt classically to sit down and play piano. And he used to, like, because it, it's come to that time of the podcast where I like to say... I'm a little bit older than everyone else. <laughs> no, that's How old is he? Um, really, I'd, I'd never noticed. <laughs> um, it's, so, it's turning uh, into a bit of a pantomime. It's like a, pantom- it, a pantomime thing now. Oh no, you're not. Oh, well, oh yes, I, I am. I'm forty-two. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, uh, <laughs> sorry, lads. Should we do a skit about Egham? And, uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So. Um, so uh he's like the same age as me and he he used to have the proper like guy with the stick like the hitting stick that would like go whack like that when he got it wrong but this is like curl your fingers boy yeah this must have been mid 80s yeah mid 80s so Mm. yeah like a little bit yeah a little bit before you're a british tam (laughs) i don't i don't think i ever got hit for playing the wrong note on the trumpet um but not yet when we, start, when we start gigging again, I'm going to really oh, count down on your on your bum notes. Mate, I'm going to get beaten up constantly then, if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to do what, Dave? Oh, I see. Oh. I see, I've, I have an advantage, though, because the trumpet is one of the only instruments you can play one-handed. So uh, one hand have a free yourself. hand at all times. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, arguably drums. <laughs> <laughs> Why, well, yeah, I guess, yeah. That who's that, who's that drummer from Def Leppard? He definitely did that, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Roasted. But yeah, so, but, um, but for, 
for the musicians that have inspired you um, yeah back to the influences. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it was probably quite broad there's a lot of a lot of a uh, few trumpet players a few uh like composers bands and stuff i think a big one which i come back to all the time is uh, the cat empire, the band uh, the cat empire. yeah oh, it's been a big sort of like brilliant band australian group uh going about 20 years now i think um but they're um yeah sort of latin pop jazz with a bit of reggae and stuff it mixed in and they their horn lines are fantastic and their horn players are fantastic yeah. and I do remember transcribing a lot of their tunes when I was little and writing down in a little book. Um, down. And you got a chance uh, to um, to meet them, right? That was somewhat embarrassing because it was, uh, yeah, it was uh, night, I wasn't wasn't entirely sober when I met him. Um, I fangirled a little bit, but that, that gig, mate, I remember. I, I may or, <laughs> I may or may not have been under the influence <laughs> of some some form of. Um, drunk, <laughs> but it was absolutely incredible. It was Their back gig, when you were mate. smoking. Oh yeah, yeah. That, it was that darn tobacco. See, um, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Maybe a bit squiffy in the head. I may or may not have been under the influence of some sort of drug, but everything was a universal hum. Everyone was the same thing, and we were all a rainbow experiencing each other energy subjectively so at the same. I was actually time. bollock naked in my tent. I know. I don't know. <laughs> It was fine. It was fine. It was a hell Shoot of a the whole pack of chewing gum. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> that was good chewing gum. No, yeah. Anyway, let's hope mum never listens to this. <laughs> the um And Ollie's new band, Ollie Ro Hypno and the One Night Stands. <laughs> <laughs> um Moving swiftly on. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to God, that that's the worst thing I've ever said. No, no. I'm really sorry. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> What I was going to say, yeah. Oh, no, no, we'll go on, mate. I was just looking at my little list of one of the things I wanted to ask Seb, but you crack on, mate. We can always cut out. Do you know we what? I, do, I kind of, uh, yeah, I kind of want to uh, interrogate you a little bit more about the whole sort of YouTube thing, just because go for it. you know, <clears throat> like half a million followers. That's uh, oh, is it half a million? Quite. No, 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 no. Half, Fifty thousand. <laughs> sorry, yeah, no, not yeah. five hundred thousand. Wow. <laughs> But still though, nice. fifty thousand followers. We'll like, I, it's taken me so so. I've just started this whole YouTube journey right. with my my project, and mm. it's taken me well. What it's just coming up to like six weeks now. Uh, no, tell a lie, eight weeks, and it's on like fifty followers, mm. and it's been really hard to get yeah. those fifty subscribers. So fifty thousand. Like, was it a did was it a thing where you like? because i had this with my facebook when i went to start doing this and i looked at like i'd never thought about how many people i have as, as like friends on facebook but it was mm. like two thousand people i'm like i've not met two thousand people you have That's at some point possible. in your life and some yeah, of them said, i know you uh i me on facebook and then you just don't remember who they are i know you enough to care about what you think <laughs> yeah, in the middle of lockdown exactly. in 10 years time or whatever <laughs> But was it like that? Was it a like, was it a conscious right? I want to get, because, so for those of you that don't know, um, if you're building a YouTube channel, the way that you, when you monetize it, you have to go, you have to become what's called a YouTube partner. And you mm. have to go through this process of hitting certain levels. And the two key levels that you need to hit are 1,000 subscribers yep. and 4,000 watch hours. Okay, mm -hmm. 4,000 hours of watching. And if you hit 1,000 subscribers and you're a bit under on the watch hours, they'll probably go, yeah, no, go on, we can sell some advertising on that, we'll have you anyway. But mm -hmm. generally, that's the guideline. 1,000 
subscribers, 4,000 watches. So did that happen by accident or was it a conscious doom? Uh, I'm not really sure because I've, I've been... Because I don't have... A, my parents never had a TV at home, so I've never had a TV. So when YouTube started getting popular, I sort of signed up, I think, probably in like 2008 with an account and started subscribing to channels. And that was back when you couldn't make money on YouTube. It was just videos... Yeah, free, no ads, or maybe a few ads here and there to pay for the hosting, but it wasn't like uh, the creators were getting anything. So I'm kind of, I'm still probably slightly stuck in that mindset of, even though I wasn't creating then, like being aware of this thing where you're just putting up videos for fun and if people watch them, that's great. If people don't watch them, eh, whatever. Um, so I kind of, I created my account when I was in still in school and started posting like the odd little video here. Um, and I think... During uni, there was a couple of videos I posted that were sort of targeted at some of the YouTubers that I was watching, just sort of responding to them. And there, I got a couple of tweets or, or posts, like shares off of them. This was back before Instagram was big, so it would have been tweets. Um, and that sort of drove a few people to the channel, which kind of um, gave me some subscribers. I think I was on like a thousand subscribers or something while I was at uni. Um, and that was, that was quite exciting because then I did... I, was, I suddenly thought, oh, wow, YouTube partner program. Yeah, okay, why not? So did did on. you hit the 1,000 subscribers and straight away they were like, YouTube partner program, that was that kind of time they'd already started Yeah, it was up. around then. It was around then, yeah. It was because I started, when I started doing the brass videos, I had already got a small following, like a small following of maybe like 700 people mm. um, just from these other videos that got traction from these other much bigger YouTubers um, who tweeted about, these little things which is still up on the on the channel if you want to go digging right in the in the uh older videos on my channel but um yeah and then i started posting the videos and at the to begin with i was just doing it for the fun of it because i wanted to record these arrangements and have like uh sound recordings of them and then i found out i could self-publish the sheet music on this website sheet music plus and sell the charts there and then i thought that I've got this little audience. I can sell the sheet music here, and why not just make more sheet music? Because I enjoy doing this. I've just come out of uni. I'm working part time at school and trying to make it as a freelance musician. So this is a pretty good avenue for me. Uh, so I just started doing arrangements, selling the sheet music, and just kept posting these videos because they were quite fun to make and people watched them. And that then gradually, such, gradually picked up. That is such an there. important uh, lesson, though. Mm-hmm. That people should take from that because you saw a method that you could monetize your output that people who would be into your stuff would be into you saw a way of of making that into a language that people who will be into your stuff will understand Mm. and you enjoyed it so you just did it and here you are yeah because that and that's the thing i think is the enjoyment part of it that's what every time you ever see a youtuber talking about how to get bigger they say you have to be making stuff you want to make because yeah it's a grind like i've I've made a i've put out a video every week for five years pretty much with a with a few breaks here and in and there and sometimes more than one video because i was going to ask you about that because regularity with youtube's a really important thing 100 yeah the algorithm doesn't just ignores you if you post once every few days like once every month or so unless unless it's like a consistent same day every month it needs that it needs to know that people are going to come back to watch more videos and so they can put more ads on so Google can make more money, essentially. Um, uh, yeah, so... yeah, having that And do you have a set too. day of the week that you always release a, a video on? Yeah, Wednesday, 12.30pm. 
Half midday. Yeah. Does it always have to be the same time? Uh, I don't know about that, but sometimes I miss it. Sometimes I do miss it. I try not to, but sometimes it does happen. And it doesn't seem to matter too much. Although, actually, interestingly, my subscriber numbers have plateaued a little bit, partly probably because it's just the niche that I'm in isn't as big as maybe some other niches are. Um, Well, do you think it... Because, I mean, I know from, obviously, from having a conversation with you that a lot of your... Um, a lot of your clients are uh, people in in big bands and you know if people can't get together for like a high school big band in America or just you know mm. w- whatever it may be then the the needs for new sheet music is probably decreased a little bit yeah yeah probably uh, it's definitely because I yeah it's all about the sheet music really at the end of the at the end of the day just getting the sheet music to ensembles to play and I do get lots of videos of like ensembles around the world playing my charts which is fun um, and about the only place where any of that's happening at the moment is some places in America where they're kind of being either being a bit naughty or the or the uh, rules are relaxed a bit or in like Australia and New Zealand is about the only place where any live music's happening at the moment yeah. so yeah um, and probably places in Asia as well but I'm not. I love that big New Zealand rock band that's now like the biggest live act in the world. Have you seen this? Because mm-hmm. they're like they're just they're this massive rock band in New Zealand, and like, like, and I see why they're a massive rock band in New Zealand. Like they're very straight down the line, inoffensive rock with a, a big portion <clears> of like, like Maori, um, like. Um, you know traditional musicality mixed in with a traditional rock and roll element and like if you are from new zealand and you know you like your live music and you like your maori cultural you know musical influences this Mm. band is going to be so up your street and they're like you know they're selling out like massive festivals with you know loads of people out loving it like you know hundreds of thousands of people so they're now the biggest band in the world and the thing is like you listen to them and you're like yeah i mean this is gonna go down really well in new zealand mm-hmm. and that's like <laughs> yeah because the, the the live scene at the moment is just new zealand and, and yeah australia yeah 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 Cause... but i just love that it's so sort of specifically <laughs> yeah. like New Zealand and it's like <laughs> and you can see exactly the niche that it fits into yeah yeah it's good stuff mm-hmm. though I think yeah the one of the re- main reasons I started doing the sort of YouTube videos the way I was doing them because I could have just sold the sheet music but there was a lot of and there still are a lot of videos on YouTube of just where someone's taken a screen recording of their notation software playing back an arrangement and one the arrangement isn't actually that good like it's not particularly playable or it's boring um, and also the sound is terrible so it, like it was a doing the recordings was fun it was good practice for me and it was kind of puts a bit more musicality into the arrangement and kind of conveys how it sounds better which is why I think people uh, sort of gravitated to what I was doing I was kind of influenced by there's this trombonist Christopher Bill who is like uh, the biggest brass musician on YouTube is his claim to fame which is true he's like I think 250k subscribers um, and he does similar videos to me. He's been doing them longer than me, um, where he just plays trombones, four trombones, sometimes more, sometimes like 150 trombones. <laughs> he's he's pretty mad. Um, and we've we've collaborated a bit in the past. And when we collaborated three years back, that gave my subscribers a big boost. That sent a lot yeah. of people to my channel as well. So collaboration, I think, is a big part of um, 
YouTube success unless you want to just, you know, go down the route of uh, just pumping out, churning out content that fits collaboration uh, in, in general. I think for musicians things. in general, not just YouTubers, but I think is is is, is so valuable because. Just yeah. artistically, artistically, artistically it, it, it's vital. It's just it's, it is vital. You're right, and it's um, because mm. that's how bear jams work. Exactly, it's, it's a collab- going back to the earlier example. Exactly, it's a collaboration of of mm. of, of of with people with different skill sets all working to their mm. best um, and bringing the best out of the one project. But even even like working with different artists and stuff and combining genres and sharing demographics and stuff like that, it's it's so valuable for both parties. And it's um, people mm. should definitely do that more. Um, yeah yeah for sure that is a thing that everyone <laughs> says uh about the youtube thing that collaboration is the way to sort of fight, like grow your audience because mm. you know it's it is that thing isn't it, it oh, yeah. interest interestingly at the moment the the hot thing to cheat the algorithm is to put up polls like youtube community polls apparently that's a bit yeah, of a broken feature what's that then in YouTube oh, what's, what's a community poll <clears throat> so uh, it was like a, a couple of years back, YouTube introduced a kind of Instagram slash Snapchat slash Twitter style posting thing where you could just put up little posts, little stories um, and little polls. And loads of people used it at first, decided it was shit and stopped using it. And then uh, they uh, it kind of sat there with no one really using it. So to try and entice more people to use it, YouTube made it so that your posts get more traction on on that platform yeah but no one really knew about it and then some people started realizing it and there's been a lot of channels recently that have like exploded like ridiculously they've gone like from like a thousand subscribers to like half a mil like over a million subscribers in like a month or two just because they've posted loads of polls right that have suddenly it's because there's something to do with the way they reach audiences that aren't anything to do with what your content is yeah um and just breaks That's you out of your little bubble. That is interesting. So if you're looking to cheat the algorithm, look into polls. You know, they'll you probably get a lot fix this... it soon. They probably fix it soon. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing it. that I find so fascinating about like uh, <clears throat> this culture because you know I've obviously come from a very traditional background of industry mm. and in the the whole kind of like dark sort of black magic of the algorithm yeah. you know there's this whole like there's an <laughs> algorithm and you've got to like it's it's almost like a sort of a sort of weird kind of deity that you kind of have to you have to sacrifice stuff to it once a week at the at the altar of content and put yeah. it out there and if you appease the like algorithm <laughs> then it will bring you like Fruits. like acolytes yeah. to come and Fame worship and at your <laughs> at your channel altar it's yeah, so it's, analogy, but it's, it's weirdly it's very like I, I, I the closest comparison I find to people talking about this is is almost slightly religiously because it is a bit like but then there's this big culture around like well, cheating you, um, the algorithm. Have you read mm. the Yuval Noah Harari books, the uh, no. Homo Homo Deus and yeah. Twenty One Lessons? Oh no, uh, wait, yeah, no, I have, sapien. I have read uh, if, Homo Sapien. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you ever want to have a real kind of like grind on algorithms and 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 comparing that to religion actually they're they're really good books to check out homodeus yeah. in particular yeah mm. yeah <laughs> fantastic author but yeah i do find it fascinating how people are like so interested in in the algorithm and like even i you know i find myself watching youtube creator content about how to do your settings to best 
like you know make sure you're directing people at your channel now I, i'm interested to know have you invested time in that or have you generally just focused on churning out great content just keep churning out great content that you love with people that you want to work with mm-hmm. is that been your yeah or I, a bit of, I, bit of both i really really should do more algorithm stuff but i just really cannot be asked i've just don't I don't want to direct my energy there. I've got. I want to put my energy into the creative stuff, really. Oh God, I'm um, so glad to hear you say that. Yeah, I, I can't be asked <laughs> with it. It's just like I know it would make probably make me more money and make me, you know, give me more time to do stuff. But I just, I, I can't. I don't. I'm not interested in it, and I don't really know how it works. Uh, but luckily, um, Jake, who we've mentioned uh, earlier, a sax player, and another guy, Michael, who's the sousaphone player for Dap Brass, the three of us have kind of, the two of them are sort of helping me uh, out with the channel and helping me slightly grow it into more of a business. Because Jake, Jake's really good with the algorithm stuff. Michael he's, is he's an well absolute into it. Renaissance man. He, 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 is, he is. Oh my goodness! A superhuman. He, he is yeah. better at everything than anyone. I, he's recently I got a PhD. Yeah, he's, he's got he's, a, he's got a PhD in like in what like laser <laughs> physics or something. Me- I thought you were going to say oh, he's got like a PhD that. in taking PhD. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! The dude's just a freak. He can he he yeah. cooks from what looks like amazing food. He's got a PhD in some crazy he's like laser f- physics. The zoo's a freak. And he drinks like a fish. He plays the fucking zoosophone. I mean, yeah, the I explained to him, it? <laughs> he makes guitar pedals. He play, he's the band leader for Dat Brass. We need to get yeah. him on. Yeah, he's he actually, an interesting chat, for sure. Get him on. I, I want to I wanna go on a date with the man. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds amazing. I think everyone does, to be honest. He's like that. Um, <laughs> he's a beautiful man. <laughs> Yeah. No. So the Aww. two of them, so two of them are sort of starting to help me um, monetize it a bit better and sort of expand it into a sort of more of a business thing. And Jake's algorithm knowledge is, you know, he's he knows what he's doing. So I'm more than happy to let him I do actually, I need work to his, his black brain. magic with it because he's yeah. yeah he knows what he's doing. So and then I can I just carry on writing arrangements, which is kind of yeah. what I really want to do. Yeah, exactly. And making with, videos with the <laughs> format of the arrangements the way you've done it and the way like you move through it is that something that you've learned watching other people doing similar type of content or is it something that stylistically you've sort of developed or or a bit of both the the video the video style of having like multiple uh, me's on the screen if you like <laughs> is is definitely definitely not a new thing i've copied that from the skinny verse youtube youtube people um including this chris bill guy trombone um yeah just five of me with little bars in between um sometimes the editing goes a bit more crazy i do a bit more put a bit more effort in but um in terms of the arranging that's kind of that's probably something i've developed myself just from um listening and listening to loads of different music it's kind of i would probably approach like pop uh, because it's mostly pop and rock music that i do Mm. and i kind of approach it as from my classical background i guess my classical and then slight jazz um influences as well so kind of taking pop tunes and then thinking well if i had this this pop tune melody how would i have like written it but not as a pop tune 
sort yeah. of, if you see what I mean. This is something that I really love about your stuff. And I kind of, like, I watched a lot of it when we first, like, started working together. And so I get a lot of it mm. coming up in my algorithm and actually Chris Bill and a few other yeah. similar artists like that because it's of the algorithm. And you're in, um, in that little little space. Yeah, it's in that little niche, like, yeah. and it's not just you, it's, it's not just horn players as well. Mm. There's, like, there's string sections, there's choral yeah. sections. And actually, this is something that I think is getting more and more on um on twitch and uh more tiktok sorry yeah. more kind of like energy around this but um i digress slightly um i was gonna say about the um ideas of it they're very cranial like you were always like i mean I, I remember the one the one that you said to me very early on when we first met um of doing every bond tune but so it segues yeah. seamlessly with uh <laughs> oh, which one which it it's was, like one uh, of the skyfall reason, skyfall, skyfall so the, like, all of them are one. skyfall yeah. but every bond tune is skyfall. every bond tune's in there weaved in that was a fun one to do did you um it was it was amazing it's an amazing <laughs> piece of music Cheers, as well man. i mean it's stunning did you did you uh did you tell your your subscribers which bond song didn't feature there was one wasn't there uh, there was one that didn't feature. I haven't told them yet, but one person in the comments did guess it. And I, I, told, I said at the end of my video, if you can work out which theme isn't in there, I'll send you the, like my little workings out sheet where I'd written down every single theme. I mean, I've read and your this one. This out, one guy got it. Wow, fair play. It's, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, some, of, some of them are, are, are way more subtle than, than others. But yeah, it's quite amazing. Because <laughs> yeah. you, you have a Patreon page as well, Seb, is that right? So do, yes, your, do, uh, so s- do all your subscribers from YouTube, um, are they on your Patreon as well? Or is it, is it quite different? Not all of them. He'd be a millionaire if all yeah, of them were on his Patreon. That's, that'd that's be a awesome. very good point. I take that back. 50k a month. That'd be sweet. Um, no, I, uh, so I set that up a couple of years ago. I, I was kind of a bit reluctant to do it because you kind of have to um, have give rewards, basically. So you, to, otherwise, what are they really paying for other than supporting you uh, and your main videos which they're getting for free anyway yeah. uh, so I was kind of a bit reluctant to set that up for a while but I did eventually do it I don't post on it too much I could do a lot more with it but I actually don't think I have the time or the or the interest yeah. really uh, so I just kind of put up little behind the scenes clips on there mostly Yeah. Uh, but I think I've got about 50 supporters on okay. there so it kind of it's a nice little it's just another little passive income stream and that's for people that another don't revenue stream for people that don't know like career. patreon of things that people can sign up to and they they can pay monthly for for different like exclusive content for that particular artist so if yeah. you want to help seb out sign up to his patreon and chuck him some quid because <laughs> yeah. he'll probably give you some but sort only of if you like what i do if you can't if you couldn't care for what i'm creating there's if no not point. if not get uh, support yeah me. don't worry about that then just send me money and well, um, yeah. i'll make, if, if, yeah, I'll make seb not, get some dividends if not, make sure you check out Seb Skelly's OnlyFans as well. He's uh, that's where you can find <laughs> most of his interesting. That's content. where the good stuff is. The after, you got to work out my username. Though. <laughs> I have been modelling on this subject of Patreons. I've been modelling just over the last few weeks. <laughs> He's been modelling. That's what I thought you were going to say then, Will. <laughs> Bloody hell! I mean, modelling <laughs> a financial model for a gig venue where you pay ten pound a month. Okay. 
Oh. And you can go to as many gigs a month as you ah, want. So like, yeah, like a cinema membership sort of. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So you just pay ten pound a month. You can go as many times as you want a month. That's sweet. That's genius. Or if you just turn up and you just want to go to one gig, you can get a one month membership. Just pay a tenner there, and you can come back to as many gigs as you want. That That's month. genius at the moment as well because there's no gigs, so you're just going to get ten pound a month. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, there's an element of like. That's why I think it's a really interesting model because yeah. it's like the reality is it's like you know they're they're starting to realise like how lucky we've been to have not yeah. had a serious virus outbreak like this before and in fact we have we've just been lucky that it's happened to occur in a season and in such a way that it hasn't spread not mm. that we're mentioning the incident we're mentioning things around the incident <laughs> okay so. Um, so it's like there is a thing around like well you know what happens if like this happens again we're going to need to find you know different ways of thinking about these things and if there's one thing that you can see really directly right now and with things that happened like just in the last couple of weeks like the big falling out over the uh, outside um sorry the uh, online streaming tariff from prs yeah. and yeah. and that big argument you know one of the big things that you can sort of clearly see there is that confusion that um that sort of like well these models of things like tickets and things like selling albums and even thinking about things in terms of being singles that have a cash value related to them actually aren't frightfully applicable in in the modern world mm. and once you actually have a situation where you're in any way curtailing people's freedoms actually the idea of the concept of a ticket is completely unapplicable to yeah, online content yeah. you know i've had yeah. a conversation with an organization just recently who were like oh we want to raise money out of this online ta- like content so we'll put it behind a paywall and we'll charge a ticket price it's like okay well how much do you think you're going to make out of this and they're like a couple of grand it's like well okay putting together the technology and the things that you need to put that out is going to cost about 700 pounds yeah. just to do the paywall so yeah. you're not going to be making a couple of grand you're going to be making about 1300 quid and then are you sure you're going to be making that amount of yeah. money out of your tickets are it's just not a model that's applicable yeah, you're right there you yeah. know yeah it, more it's just thinking about you know giving away content or, or getting content out there in such a way that you can still make a living no, off true. it which is what's so impressive about almost the kind of entrepreneurial sort of spirit behind all of your work seb in that you've constantly had this thing of well, that's where that monetizes. That's mm. where the showroom is. That's the shop floor. That's where it monetizes. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. And the same with the Patreon. It's just that yeah. that way of building different revenue streams around your artistry that mm. add up to a portfolio yeah. career and an income. Mm. You know, and that that more than anything is a really important lesson to take for right I now. I totally agree. With you. you know, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely lucky that I had had this these systems set up before. Uh, gigs were sort of taken out of the equation um, last year because I I think going into it, if you were to start going into it, because obviously it's taken me five years to get to this point, Um, if you're starting stuff up without the rest of it to support you on the side, it's definitely going to be a lot harder. So I definitely am very fortunate that I had that, had already put in the groundwork when I could also gig as well. Yeah. 
and now I can just at the moment I am just focusing on it full time pretty much. To people listening um, though, it's, it's it's important to just stress the fact that it is possible. Um, you know, with 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 yeah. enough, oh, enough yeah. groundwork and enough pa- uh, drive, you, just, you can yeah. just be persistent. You can you can monetize it still. There are still there is still help out there. People do still want to listen mm-hmm. to your music, and you know, and teach it and educate and yeah. it's 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 just finding it mm. and um, yeah, that's that's an important thing to mm. to, have, to have said, man, for sure. Um, it's the it's the classic throw shit at a wall and see what sticks. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Like, I mean that's <laughs> totally the vibe I've taken. Here we are. Yeah. What's your? What's your <laughs> that's t- sorry. Yeah, yeah. Carry on. Oh, I was just going to say that's totally the vibe I've taken with Kick at the End of the World because obviously I started that after the pandemic. Mm. Oh, I mentioned the incident, <laughs> Dave. You'll have to bleep it out. Whoops out. After after we couldn't after we could after we couldn't uh, go out anymore. <laughs> Um, I obviously started the gig at the end of the world at home and have been developing it and it's it's nowhere near monetizing. I'm not even sure if it will monetize this year. That's not really the mm. point. Um, but the thing that I would say is that I'm, ha- I'm much happier having started the journey of creating the artwork and putting it together and building the concept and starting it and now being like, you know, having yeah. released 10 videos and it's a thing that's happening despite the pan. Yeah. There's another... <laughs> despite everything that's going on outside it's still going on it's still happening exactly. and it's and and it has a certain kind of like oh this is this is a thing that's occurring now it's going forward yeah. and it's yeah it's, it's a thing and it's a thing mate yeah it's a thing that's yeah. it and and now <laughs> it's actually like <laughs> I said, Ali. I said it. <laughs> you know i have to make a decision if it's gonna stop yeah, yeah. And, on, and on the flip side of that it, I guess it's also that um, I've totally lost the thread of what I was going to say <laughs> I had a really like big point that I was going to make on the end of that oh I know exactly what, it, what, what I was going to say <laughs> you know because you were saying about how you were really like happy that you'd set it up before and mm. it's, there's that old uh, proverb that was what I was going to say of oh, yeah. the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago yeah. and the next best time to plant a tree right. is right now yeah. So, yeah. so I think that's really applicable in this case. You might have to cut some waffle out of that, Dave. Sorry, mate. Right. Well, <laughs> I've got um, I've got a question that, for Skelly and for for the both of you as well. Um, mm. Let's reminisce before the um, the incident happened. Could you could you name your your favourite gig, whether with Bear Jams or another, Ooh. you know, band or ensemble, or or narrow cool, it down to a couple. That, that is tricky one maybe maybe favorite gig with each ensemble would, would probably be fair um because uh, they're all very different every gig yeah, is, put you really on the spot every here. band is different you have really put me on the spot here or, uh favorite or favorite like uh or like an who's your favorite musician Seb? Yeah. who do you like working with <laughs> yeah. my, no i'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> well there, to be fair that there was that gig at llama tree um, that was a corker. In that this the not the not the main stage gig, but the second gig we did the like impromptu one in that sweaty tent, the really low sweaty yeah. tent. When it went from um, so we 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 um oh, I remember we we went into the tent and the tent was you know it was it was a pretty big size and there was yeah. uh, probably about fifteen people watching the band before we went on to play, yeah. and so you, you kind of didn't really know what to expect whether this whole tent was going to fill up or not. And I remember yeah, it was about fifteen people watching the bands. Uh, and then we went on around the back. We went out to um, to do the sound check, and because we played on the main stage earlier, and the I can't remember his name is really bad. The guy who actually puts on or used to put on Lama Tree came out to the front of the stage and said, "Check these guys out later. They're on at this stage at, at this time." And we went. Do you remember we mm. came out on stage to do our quick like line check? 
two minute line check before we had to play and the whole room was absolutely yeah, it was just packed completely 700 rammed. 800 people there <laughs> i think i was I, mad I, I agree i think that was my favorite <laughs> it, it was close it was with awesome. a couple others it was the first was time that the, the, the band felt like it had clicked like we got to this point where we were playing yeah. and we were playing the music we enjoyed and we just felt like the the, the band was where we it was at the point where we could start pushing it to that next level it was yeah. also the last gig that my dad saw us ever play, which is fucking a special his one. Dad, another he special. Said it was the first time. He's, he, I went thing. for a pub. It was not long after that he passed away, and then went out for a pub pint with him like a week later. And he was like, "I fucking get it." He's like, "I get it," because he was always like, he didn't. He always enjoyed the band. You enjoyed it, but he didn't really understand what, it was, what, what exactly what it was all about. And he watched us at that gig, and he was like, "Mate, I fucking get it, man." It's yeah. like you, you keep going at this. I was like, "Fucking hell!" And like you know, and we have we kept going, and it's fucking. It's a real. That was a yeah. real special gig for are. so many reasons. It was a really yeah. special gig, really good it was one. That an incredible gig. Um, what's your? Um, oh yeah, sorry. I know that. Obviously, what, what about other bands? What other special moments? Other bands. Uh, there was there was a really uh, ridiculous gig at the end of Bestival with uh, Dat Brass. Uh, it was the lo- it was it wasn't the last Bestival because it's it went bankrupt, didn't it? It was the Bestival before the last one, and it was really like stormy weekend and like they had to close loads of areas and stuff and we'd we played about i think we played six gigs in four days or something and by the last gig we'd started off the festival with like 14 15 people uh playing on stage and as the gig went on people gradually had to go to like play another festivals or like leave or some some people had to go home someone got pneumonia and had to go because they <laughs> forgot their sleeping bag and it was, That's a, it was a bit of a do. disastrous festival yeah it was it was pretty pretty amusing uh, but by the end of the the last gig, we were like we'd literally lost half of the members, so we were down to s- just seven of us, which sounds like a lot. But for that brass, that wasn't many at all. And, like considering it's usually an eleven-piece band normally, it was uh, yeah. So it's me, two other horns. No, it's me and Jake on horns. Michael on Michael on bass, and we had our DJ, drummer, and the MC. Which actually makes six. I've just counted that on my fingers. So six of us on stage, um, but and we were all completely knackered. All our lips were like falling off. Um, just so tired from playing loud and loud and throughout the whole weekend and just playing this gig at the end, just putting every last little bit of energy in and just coming off stage and just like collapsing. That was a good. <laughs> that was a good good fun. Literally oh. blood, sweat, and tears, man. Yeah. Is yeah. it true that uh, Bear Jams can't play in Germany for getting through the Seb Kelly fans to get to the stage? Is that, that, was, that, Switzerland? that was Switzerland. Switzerland. Tell me that story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Seb, you can tell me. <laughs> it was just funny from, Is this... funny from our perspective because we thought there's this group of people there <laughs> yeah. and we thought, bloody hell, like, first time playing Switzerland, already got some fans, like, bloody lovely. And then after... <laughs> turns, turns out they were a brass quintet. In, based in Switzerland who I'd sort of you know I do talk about Bear Jams on my YouTube channel occasionally and they'd seen this and they'd seen oh sweet we'll come to this Bear Jams gig and meet Sam Skelly the funniest and thing they came was along, they, really, they, they did really enjoy the gig though they asked for a photo and so it. all of us were like oh yeah come on guys let's, let's go have a photo with these people because they've come up to watch and they're like no 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 not with you guys just, can you hold just the camera just, just oh. yeah, I love it they like no 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 you, I don't want That's a picture funny. of you guys oh, do you want just selfie sorry. you want okay. selfie yeah, no 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 you'd hold the camera no 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 check your ego we want your horn player <laughs> I, love it. Up, love I love it. that story so much yeah, yeah. brilliant that was funny no, good vibes um, it is weird it is tell you what that's a weird thing is people I've been bumped into or people have bumped into me a couple of times and recognised me from YouTube which is 
a strange experience, including one person at Glastonbury, and I was totally expecting it to be someone who'd seen Bear Jams or Tankus or something, or that brass, and they came up to me and was like, oh, Seb, and I was like, yes, hey, hey, sweet, how's it going? He's like, oh, I love your YouTube videos, and I was there with, like, sweltering sunshine with, like, a can of Stella or something, and just like, what? Okay, yes, yeah, sweet, oh, well, thanks, thanks that must so be so much, rewarding, man. actually, because uh, it's like, it's different. It was, it was yeah, nice. Man. It just completely caught me off guard. Um, because you don't equate like people on the internet with people in real life and then especially when you're at a festival when you're completely removed from real life anyway and you're just in this like music zone it was yeah took me by surprise must be quite nice for on on the other perspective as well for someone to spot you and be like oh my god that's Seb Skelly I watch him on YouTube I'm at Glastonbury with 200,000 people like you know it must be a really rewarding thing yeah 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 (laughs) <laughs> there are quite a lot of YouTubers now that if I saw them at a festival, I'd run up and talk to them like they were my mates. Yeah, mm. like it is—it's a bit weird to be. Like I tell you, I tell you who I have that with badly. Ben Jordan, who is—he uh, is an uh, uh, an artist called the Flashbulb. I might have mentioned him before on these podcasts because I think a lot of his his commentary <laughs> and his the way he puts together videos and content and and mm. he's just very clever about the way he manages it all and talks about it all. But if I bumped into him at a festival, I'd run straight up to him and start chatting to him like he was my mate. Because <laughs> precisely because he has similar views to me, and that's why I relate to his his content. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You you kind of do grow mm. like a personal relationship because if you listen to someone in your spare time or at home and you're in your own space and mm. you without realizing it, you think you know them. Don't you you have this relationship, yeah. which is very one way, but it's you do feel like you know them. It's the same if you listen to someone's podcast or something like that. You you you, you understand. You get to know their voice so well. You get to understand the way they think. Yeah, and it's a weird relationship. So listeners don't get yeah. who it is. Except if this ever <laughs> took off and people didn't know our faces, they'd have to recognize us purely by voice. Yeah. Be even more and if they, got, get, if they actually got people to, to send in drawings of what they think we look like as <laughs> well. you know yeah like we've that. actually got a cartoonist <laughs> doing uh called sam he's doing um some um some a little cartoon thing for us for our website and uh i've, I've, I've got a little draft back earlier i'll have to send it to you lads because it's funny it is quite funny um <laughs> so, so awesome. they'll just see us as these little uh ca- caricatures it's quite funny that's amazing. I quite love all that though. Like uh, one of the things, so I've been doing this um, randomly Dungeons and Dragons podcast as well. The whole concept is it's a friend of mine that's really into Dungeons and Dragons, and he's gotten three of his best mates who've never really played Dungeons and Dragons to play Dungeons and Dragons, and a lot of it's just us taking the piss out of what a geek our mate Jody is, <laughs> and a lot of it's like him taking the piss out of what a bunch of fanboys we're. It's really funny, but a lot. One of the things I love about it is all the like like weird kind of funny character stuff that comes up with doing a Dungeons and Dragons podcast because you're not playing you you're playing like mm. well my, I'm, I happen to be a, a gnome sorcerer so <laughs> do with that what you will <laughs> that's jokes uh, I've always wanted to try Dungeons and Dragons yeah I have actually I've never, never should we do it next time, we, next time we have a 17 hour drive in, in the van we'll, uh, we'll have a <laughs> yeah. big old session and not being funny, oh, like God. one of the things we should consider doing at some point is having my mate Jody on and doing like a Dungeons and Dragons one shot adventure <laughs> special. Just, just for like on. a like a spe- like especially if the Dungeons and Dragons podcast takes off. That would be awesome. Be just funny. as a funny aside. Maybe it's like if if this keeps going and people are into it and we're still doing it as a Christmas thing. Yeah. Like maybe do it as like a Christmas special. You could do a, yeah, a Dungeons and Dragons Christmas special. <laughs> There's space for everyone on this podcast, whether or not. Um, That's it. Said, mate, moving forward um, over the next, mm-hmm. you know, twelve months, uh, 
no two years what's have you got any like goals or aims where you want to be at do you set goals like that or is it kind of just you go because obviously at the moment we're in unprecedented times we've already spoken about yeah. that um and we wanted to get back on the road gigging and stuff. But I mean, do you have a plan yeah. long term for your career? Do you have like somewhere you want to be? Is it is it always going to be the touring life? Are you thinking you there's like a? Do you know what I mean? Is there like a five year, two year goal? Yeah. I um, no no specific goals. Just so that I don't disappoint myself. Um, but <laughs> some like ideas, like obviously the arranging thing. I like doing it. I think I'm quite good at it. Uh, other people think I'm quite good at it. So looking forward with that i think just would be great to start arranging for other people for like commissioned arrangements for larger ensembles doing arrangements for like pop artists other like bigger artists and stuff and getting into that world is definitely sort of like a long-term life yeah. goal becoming like you're the sort of person where if like taylor swift wants to do a concert with an orchestra like a producer yeah. will you know Maybe not Taylor Swift. Maybe not that big to start with. Yeah, mate. Aim, yeah, um, aim big, bro. Aim <laughs> but that's the sort of thing where, like, I'm I'm the one that that does the writing the orchestra parts for a big show like that or something would be would be pretty cool. Um, I'd obviously, I I really need to write more original classical music because I do enjoy doing that. But there's absolutely no money in that, so that's yeah. just definitely going to be a hobby forever. Um, if I um, yeah. if I saved up some money, would you compose a uh, a theme that plays in like a background theme for me when I walk along the street? You ever seen that Family Guy episode where he's walking along? Yeah. And he's got the yeah, yeah, man. I could do you. I think it's with the gigging. It's like yeah. um, it's something you can do as well as the arranging because you can because you've been in the tour yeah. band before and you've been sat there arranging. You know, you got it's a perfect yeah, time, exactly. isn't it? Like. It's like yeah, like I've, I've, I'm just doing what what I was doing before, just without the gigs <laughs> and more of the other yeah, stuff. Is essentially what I'm doing at the moment. Um, <laughs> so yeah, because uh, yeah, I wouldn't stop arranging once gigs start going. I'll definitely throw myself in once we can gig again, and I'll just put my my everything into that because I'll have missed it oh, so yeah, much. Mate, same, um, missed it like hell. Uh, yeah, and then obviously from that, you know the live music scene will recover and um going forward with that more projects like carrying on with the projects i'm in bear jams and dat brass keeping going with those but also who knows other other stuff might happen as well other you know i do do the odd bit of session yeah. work and the odd bit of working on skelly as well your sister getting that get that more you know more stuff oh yeah that. of course yeah um yeah people that need to check out skelly as well is sister emma they've just released their first debut ep mm -hmm. and that's some some killer music on that as well You've been very yeah, busy, mate. Planning. You've been busy as hell, which is uh, and I people. <laughs> I think people were listening to this. You know, get 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 to know Seb and his work because he's an, one of the most fantastic people you could ever wish to know and work with. Um, and, uh, yeah, mate. Actually, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. Um, not at all. Thanks. For just before me you on. go, though, mate. It's like, it's what what fun. do you do in your downtime? Like, what do you do when you're not when you're not <laughs> mad busy? Like, what is it that you you know that keeps you sane, mate? It's at this point he says something really like interesting, like, "Oh yeah, no, I'm into skydiving, yeah. and uh, I break down and doing Iron Man triathlons, um, <laughs> and, I, and I've got to go now." Bye. <laughs> in in Skelly's spare time, he's my emotional support if I've done too many drugs, basically. Aww. Every time, if I'm, I'll, I'll edit this. Well, out. it goes both ways, David. It goes both ways. <laughs> I'm tripping my knob off <laughs> in Scotland. You are holding my hand, going, "It's all right." <laughs> I just assumed that the horn playing was what Skelly did when he wasn't a secret agent. <laughs> Do you know what? He's a bit James Bond, isn't he? <clears throat> 
He's got a lot of a lot of double O summit in him. More I'll put that. A, there's a quote going on my website. That it's you. got double O something in him. It, it, it's more of a like uh, the the yeah. night manager from yeah. the same titled series. He's got a bit of that. Kind of, what's the name of the actor Tom who plays him? Tom Tom Hiddleston. He's got Tom that kind of yeah. more oh. that kind of secret agent edge. I'll take. I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, very, sorry. What you do in your spare time, Seb? Anyway. What do I? <laughs> 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 uh, uh, it's actually that's actually kind of a hard question to answer because I actually am not entirely sure. Probably just watch too many YouTube videos about. I like a cooking. I think cooking is on there. I watch a lot of cooking videos and try and like cook the odd yeah. bit of food here and there. Um, I don't know. I do just kind of get very bored if I'm not like making yeah. stuff or doing stuff that I feel like is productive. I don't feel. I don't feel very good if I finish my day having not like done anything yeah. that's progressed so i do i if you ask any any of my family or like my girlfriend kirsten if you ask any of them whether i take any downtime they'll, they'll say that i find it very hard to no do you know what I, just, I think that's i'm constantly that's, going i really. think that seems to be almost like a recurring theme with people that are are almost just creatives or just like people that are in our industry like mm. the the the, the, the act of actually doing what we do is therapeutic therapy in itself and it's we find yeah. we find a lot of solace in, in just getting stuff completed and start or starting something just jumping ourselves at something and just giving things a go For and sure. like that that, that is it's, it's it's not just a job it, or it's, it's a lifestyle um so i, I kind of relate mm. to that in a massive massive way man um yeah the idea of music being an epiphany uh being a practice sorry not an epiphany the idea that you get up and you do that religious practice every day whatever that is whether that be you know writing the thousand words or you know doing the next layer of of paint on the picture or the editing Mm. matthew uh one man into (laughs) video to audio and putting together that product which is what i've done today you know that kind (laughs) of and and the last episode of the podcast which i cannot wait to listen back to again or two and a half hours of it (laughs) i'm looking forward to hearing all of these when they come out i'm I'm excited (laughs) well we've really 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 appreciate you coming on mate and uh, there's a lot of love being sent you away from 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 all our directions mate Thank you. Likewise, the school coming straight back to all you guys as well. And I hope it's been it's been a good good. Yeah, chat. thanks, man. Good it's chat. been it's been a pleasure. And um, hopefully, in the not too so far future, we will be able to yeah. hang out again and make beautiful music and just have some fun. Indeed, that will uh, be fun. T- yeah, Till then, my friend. <laughs> You've been listening to the podcast. Will not be televised. Your host was Ollie Coombs. And it also featured Dave the Bass Tyler and Will Is This Thing Pat Tested Fenton.